friendos, and welcome to Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I am one of your friends, Damien Abraham, and your other friend, as always, is my friend, and your friend, and everyone's friend, Chris O'Toole. How are you doing, friend? <laughs> Good, man. How are you? Good. I'm all hopped up on this uh, giant cup of caffeine uh, tea that I drank, super caffeinated tea that I drank. So I'm ready to go, and it's the middle of the day. Yeah, which is nice. Unless you're listening to this at night, then it's nighttime. So we're whatever <laughs> mood you need us to be, we're there yeah. with you. Energy levels are better probably for us right now, though. Yeah, because it's the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, on to a amazing episode of the show. I don't know. This this is the kind of episode that I live for uh, because this is the one with someone that plays in a band that I think's awesome or a couple bands that I think a few bands I should say that I think are amazing but also has a legit killer history in other bands that are also you know amazing in their own way and exposes like a, a scene that I don't think we've ever gotten to really talk about yet on the show yeah not in the not in the I don't know the depth that you go into it on this I mean it's been touched on at times but sort of adjacently or however you want to say it yeah, like it's definitely been like more from a fan point of view than than uh than anyone there. At, yes, at, at, till till this episode, and so yeah, uh, and it's funny because like I talked to Jonah. I remember telling Jonah the day I was posting this episode, he and I were going to get together and, and hang out, and I was like, uh, Jonah from Fucked Up and, and Mad Men and Career Suicide stuff, and I'm like, who knows more about hardcore than me? Would you say that, Chris? Definitely, a hundred percent. I don't. I was amazed you made this you made that claim when at the beginning of this episode yeah, I think yeah Together. I I don't know I, I was kind of shocked to have that admission from you I I I think you're both like encyclopedias so to me you know more than me but well, I don't I don't know Here's what I'll put forward as Jonah's uh here's my like resume for Jonah as far as like uh, or his, his degree I should say like we played South by Southwest god this was I don't know like six years ago now or something. Uh, and that same weekend we were playing Thurston Moore had put together his, uh, hardcore super group type yep. thing that was going to be playing around. And it was the demolished thoughts before that, whatever that record came out. Yeah. Yeah. It was called yeah. demolished thoughts. And, and I'm trying to remember who was all in it, you know? Like, oh Lord. I think it was, it was him, Jay Maskus, Jonah. Uh, no, it wasn't Jonah originally. It was. Oh, no, no. It was supposed to be Andrew WK on bass. And, That's right. And then on Jonah drums, it was. Oh, what's her name from Colored? Oh, I can't remember the name of the band now. Anyway, it, it was. Uh, God, I can't. I'm slipping. Uh, but anyway, this is why Jonah knows more than I because he would definitely know everyone's name. And and Don Fleming, I think, was in it too. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so they had Andrew WK in this band. So the day before they were supposed to play. Uh, I was like, you know, I saw Jay Mascus who was playing the band and stuff and, and I was talking to him and he's like, I don't know if Andrew's going to show tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, what do you mean? Jay's like, well, he hasn't come to any of the practices. And I'm <laughs> like, Oh, well, if he flakes, I'm going to, you can call in Jonah. Oh no. Jay's like, do you want to get up there? And I'm like, I, I <laughs> like not do anything. Um, and I'm like, but you should ask, I'm going to, we'll get Jonah to do it. And he goes, well, he, he won't have seen the list or anything. And I'm like, don't worry. He'll do it. So sure <laughs> enough, uh, Andrew WK, there we are, Red 7, outside. 
Everyone's waiting. Andrew WK didn't show up for that show. I think, I think he was sick or something. I think he had a legitimate reason he was, he couldn't be there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, uh, and Jay, like, you know, was like, can you get Jonah? So I turn, you know, run over, tap Jonah on the shoulder. I'm like, they need you up there, buddy. They need you to do this. Jonah went in cold and nailed it. I would say he knew the songs better than anyone else on that stage that night. Yes, but I think you're speaking to a very specific superhuman power that Jonah has, which is, regardless of punk knowledge, he has he is able to remember how to play like nearly every like punk hardcore song that I've ever heard tell of, and ones I don't know. So I think that's the, that's a unique talent that most I don't I've never known anybody. So I'm with you. I don't know if overall knowledge. I don't know. I'm just amazed that you made that admission. That's all. That's it. Oh no, I. I... Oh, what? You think I'm, I'm, I'm that egotistical? No, no not at all. But, but I've never, I've never <laughs> heard you speak of someone in a sort of senior sort of position or however you want to say it. Like, oh, a and, and, and there are definitely people there. And I'm, and that's not to say like, you know, people like, there's tons of people that know way more about punk and hardcore than both Jonah and I like put together, obviously. But, uh, but that being said, anytime I can get something over on Jonah, I'm amazed. So I was talking to Jonah. I'm like, I have Stephen McVean on the on the show, and he's like, Oh yeah, from Black Mountain, Pink Mountain Towson. I'm like, Yeah, and also Jerk Ward. And Jonah's like, He was in Jerk Ward. Like Jonah knew the the tape, of course, but did yeah. not connect Steve from the Jerk Ward tape with Stephen McBean. Yes, and that is impressive because that seems like something he might have known. I know. He probably did know. He probably forgot it. But anyway, I like to think I got one more. <laughs> like think I, I informed him of something. Anyway, so but this is a, a great episode to get into. But we also have a ridiculous mailbag today. Yeah. Quick correction though on the demolished thoughts thing. The woman yes. in the band is Awesome Allison is listed here. Awesome Colors the, is the name of the band. Yeah, but it's that's she's it. listed as Awesome Allison. So I don't know. That's yeah. the uh, the other member. Awesome. Anyway. Yeah, but of course. But yeah, Awesome Colors is 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 her band. And then Don Fleming was in. God. Gumball, uh, what was his other band? Wasn't it Moserat he was in? Or yeah. even worse, even worse. What am I saying? Yeah, he was that with Thurston Moore, but he was also in. I think he had another band too. But anyway, maybe I'm mistaken. But yeah, he was in. I think he was in Even Worse too. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <New. laughs> now I got to look at the lineup of Even Worse because I'm going to be like, who was he in that? I thought he was in that, but maybe I'm wrong. So news, you want me to ta- tackle the first one? While yeah, why don't you tackle the first one while I'm looking this All right. up? So, uh, friend of the show, uh, it's not just this band playing, but Tear It Up are doing uh, a reunion show, I guess, to say. Uh, it's a benefit uh, taking place on September 3rd, so it, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be uh, a good few weeks away. But uh, it's happening in New Jersey. Um, it is a benefit for Bobby J. Uh, it's a suicide prevention cause. Um, and Modern Life is War, Tear It Up, A New Enemy, Blind Justice, and Free are playing. And uh, because it's a benefit show, I want to make sure to make note of it. There's a website um, where it is listed on eventbrite.com, which has a listing, which I'm going to try to get uh, us to put up on the footnotes, or sorry, the Turned Out a Punk uh, Facebook, rather. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it just basically lists that you know all proceeds are being donated to the American American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, in honor of Bobby J. And Doors are at six thirty. Uh, I know some people obviously probably know about this already, but for those who don't and want to travel or are in the area, please go. It's twenty bucks. Yeah, and anyone who's heard like Brian from the Nightbirds episode, or or even Dave from Tear It Up, 
episode, tear it up episode. It's a hard thing to say, kind of. Yeah. It's all put together. But anyway, uh, you know, should check this band out because they are one of the great bands and it's a rare opportunity, a tragic reason to have this rare opportunity, obviously, but like a rare opportunity to get a chance to see this band if you missed them out. Miss out on them totally. the first time around. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I guess I have now found, of course, Don Fleming's uh, Discogs page. Uh, and he is not a member of Even Worse. But oh. he was in Half Japanese and Velvet Monkeys. That was the okay. band I was trying to think of that he was in. I don't know why I thought he was in Even Worse. There was some Even Worse connection to something around that time. Because I remember, yeah, I just have a memory of that. I don't remember. Maybe it's just because, I don't know, whatever. Well, he also played in the Action Swingers. Okay. Too. Cool. Which uh, Jay Maskus was in as well. Nice. But and so I think was Johan Kugelberg. Yeah, he was. Johan Kugelberg was in it too. I wasn't aware of that person being in bands. I thought he was just like an archive guy. Uh, I think that is the only. No, he's played in actually a bunch of things. But uh, Action Swingers was definitely the band that he was in. He was on their like their best single, the first one, the one on Noiseville. And he's actually on the LP on Caroline too. Cool. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't think he was like a like a like I said. I thought he was just like a an archive guy. I didn't think he was like a musician guy. No, he is definitely a uh, a punk savant. That is someone. That is someone that could uh, crush both every well, just about anyone I know in in punk rock Jeopardy. <laughs> yes. You know, it'd be a hard. Oh, I'm trying to think of who I could put together. That would actually be a fun, really nerdy turn out of punk footnotes maybe before footnotes footnotes where we could do who would be on the all-star punk uh trivia team oh good lord i would not be on it i'll tell you that uh <laughs> nor would i the, nor would i <laughs> no i think you're i think you're counting yourself oh god no Chris, no you no. could easily hang i i don't know a lot of the tidbits like that but no but like nor do i like i would put sean forbes aka fat bob AKA Angry Guy at a Record Store. I think that was his vice show, right? Yeah, which was great. Um, and then uh, I would put Johan Kugelberg, obviously. Uh, Gerard Cosloy. One of the Boston affiliate people. Yep. Oh, Cooch. Yeah, I don't know. There's. It, that's a good idea. I, I, I would like to actually see someone do like a trivia thing like that, but I don't think it'll ever happen. No, it, well. Yeah, would you really like to see it though? <laughs> would you, I would. You you would sit through it? I would. Yeah, totally. Well, let's try and work towards that then. Let's try and put it together. <laughs> yeah, we have nothing else going on. Let's try yeah, this. exactly. <laughs> let's dedicate all our resources towards this. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next uh, item, I guess. Right? Is yeah, the, you take this one. This was uh, your. This is my thing that I wanted to talk about because I think this is. An awesome illustration uh, of how cool Steve McDonald is. I would say he is, you know, one of the most interesting people in the history of alternative music. His episode will illustrate that for you if you haven't listened to it before. But also what would illustrate it for you is if you go to his Instagram page, which is at Stephen McDonald on Instagram. And I think it's like a half a dozen photos back, maybe a dozen photos back. And I think the post he has, my favorite backstage tour passes from the 90s. And he was selling these and they've all sold. I don't, I couldn't find the link because I am thankfully now 10 years eBay free. And I don't say that like I wouldn't want to be on it. I'm saying that like I 
couldn't be on it and I shouldn't have been on it. Uh, so I can't see how much it actually sold for in the end, but he sold his Red Cross 90s backstage pass collection, which is not 100% true because there's also apparently a backstage pass here from a Sonic Youth tour in 1986 as well. But uh, this is a incredible trove of backstage passes, but I think it also illustrates how kind of key this band was and how many places they were in music history, like not just Black Flag era, but like right the way through. Yeah, totally. Well, there's ones that are listed here, and it's like it's kind of bizarre ones. Like I wouldn't have expected a Stone Temple Pilots connection with yeah. Black Cross on the second That's record. Really, yeah, crazy. And Lemonheads, that kind of makes sense to me a little bit. Yep. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's wild. I didn't. They, sorry, go. Yep. No, I was going to say the Reading Festival is the Nirvana one, the famous Nirvana one. And there was some other thing that was like a very famous show, like Festival Pass that he has there too. Can't yeah, it's a little, one. the way it's a little distant, so it's hard to make out the, some of them, you know, up close, but you can kind of tell on the main ones, which what's going on on them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, very cool. Even I like that there's one that's the actual uh, goo Sonic Youth motif. Like I like that they made the pass up like that. That's cool. Yeah. And then the, the sister tour is the other Sonic Youth one, the pink kind of, and that apparently is a drawing by Coco. When she nice. Was God, I don't know how old she would have been then. Have you ever been, no, actually, I, I thought about sure. this. Do you have, I'm assuming you have a collection of your own things of these, no? Yeah, I have a, I have a giant box of just crap. Yeah, because I'm like, I'm always curious, like most of them aren't all that exciting when you come across these, but sometimes you find neat looking ones and just to see where they played in those years is kind of cool. Yo, absolutely. Always- yeah, like, well, I think especially that band, right? Because they were at that time in in all like kind of the key places in music at that time, right? Yeah, well, and they were young, young in the first wave, so Mm -hmm. they weren't that old by the time this shit was happening, right? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, And he recounts even in his episode, which is number six, by the way, for people who want to look back on it, um, the the, he he has a whole story of the band. I can't remember which one. It was, no, it was like the Courtney Love band post-hole Post hole, gotcha. Yeah. But like pre so when she was doing Bastard. Yeah, so there's or stuff, Bastards. you know, like. Was it called Bastards or Bastards? Anyway, one of them. Yeah, so anyway, it's just cool. I like this fine. That was a good mention. We should try and throw that image up too. It's cool. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love. I like if I. Oh, if I didn't have my 10 years free of eBay, I would be placing <laughs> a bid. I would have placed a bid, I should say. Anyway, yeah. on to the next point, Chris. Why don't you take this one? So I believe we go into mailbag now. I just have yeah. to collect myself here. Um, yeah. So regarding uh, the first thing we mentioned off the news, uh, Dave it up happened to write in uh, one of our favorite people, and um, he has a, basically a few <laughs> clever little things in the email, of course. But um, he mentioned, a, I guess, a correction or like whatever uh, clarification that in 2003, Damien and I were discussing the Circle Jerks tour, uh, or that was the one I was referencing. I don't know which one Damien was referencing when we were talking, but they did tour with the Bronx, which I had mentioned. But he mentions that in New York City they played with GBH, and he doesn't think GBH did no. the uh, Canadian leg, which I definitely – I've never – I don't think I've ever seen GBH now that I think about it. Um, yeah, no, the band yeah. I'm thinking of was like this weird-ass metal band. Yeah, I don't – And it was like 
the label was like reissuing the Circle Jerks catalog at the time. And it was like this weird label that I can't remember and I don't think I've heard of since. Yeah. Crazy. I don't, I don't recall this, but I, you know, it's probably out there. If anyone knows, they're confusing who, what band it was. (laughs) Maybe maybe I'm totally (laughs) off. No, I swear to God it was Circle Jerks anyway. Well, we've both collectively seen a lot, so it makes sense we would forget and or confuse something. Um, he has a blast anecdote, which she said, uh, blast on SST related story. I was wearing a blast shirt or wishing well shirt, pardon me, at a tear up, tear it up harem scarum show, <laughs> which is a bizarre collection. Uh, <laughs> and the guitarist of harem scarum complimented my shirt and mentioned she didn't know they did stuff on SST. I then talked about blast back to her about wishing well roadrunner. And a few other little notes on Blast. I then realized she wasn't interested in having a real nerd out on Blast and stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and, awesome uh, when someone casually engages you in a conversation and you're like, okay, you've opened a Pandora box with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize how into it they are and it just becomes very awkward quickly. <laughs> very awkward. Uh, which I thought was a great anecdote. But mainly I, I thought it was funny to mention because Harem Scarum, I think that's just such a bizarre coupling with Hair It Up. I don't know what. Like what? Who did that show? That's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and then he says he has four black flag tattoos. He's never heard a single note of what the from 2013. Uh, and then his last correction. Yes. Is the weirdo with the mohawk in decline talking about brain surgery and general weird stuff? Is Chuck not Robo? That is right. That is. I'm trying to. I, I definitely can picture Chuck. Now I got to look what Robo looked like in it. Yeah. So that was the uh, a lovely correspondence from our our one of the Daves we know, as I like to say. And uh, I don't even, I don't even know if Dave would get that reference, to be honest with you. But anyone who does, it's such a great one, and I hope I know it's get. an amazing reference, you know, and also Dave, relates back to a past guest of the show, even. Yeah, um, exactly. And perhaps, hopefully, a future guest of the show, if I have anything to say about it. But you know, yeah. but all, but for our non-Canadian listeners or non comedy nerd listeners internationally it, it might be lost okay well do you want me to mention yeah, definitely it mention it, Chris. Okay. So, so it's a it's a kids in the hall reference more or less but it's a bruce mcdonald or did was that song on his record i think it is it's, I, think uh, it is but I think that was after it was on the show yeah it was on the show initially though and there's like uh it was like a, a i guess a mock music video and uh, of a song called these are the daves i know and it's just like this really bland song about it almost seems like a song like that should have been like uh, like a Dead Milkman song or something. It's really clever, but it's really like bland. It's great. Anyway, yeah. that, that's yeah. the reference. Awesome. No, definitely uh, a great. Oh yeah, there, there's a, there's Chuck. Oh, it definitely was picturing. Okay, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Next one is your point because you love this. When I brought this up, I thought I didn't think this would have as much traction, and you really went on this. So you take okay. This next. Yeah, this is from Michael S., and it's around four record runs. Uh, I'm a few episodes behind, but has anyone called out the first four Talking Heads records as a great four-record run? Talking Heads 77, more songs about buildings and food, more uh, Fear of Music, and Remain in the Light. And uh, not purely punk, obviously, but a great run nonetheless from a band that kind of came out of the scene in the mid to late – or. Mid to late seventies. Yeah, I got my glasses on. Do you know I wear glasses now when I read, Chris? I was not aware of that, but age does that. Yeah, Yeah, it looks really. It looks really. uh, uh, I don't look as cool as Milo. Put it that way. (laughs) Are 
Are they square glasses though? Is the they are, but they're like they're like trying to be cool, narrowly square. And even if I wore like, you know, Milo, aka Al Nolan, aka George Pettit glasses, I don't know if I could <laughs> pull it off nearly as well as those three. Fun fact, George, I don't believe wears glasses anymore. No, he got laser. I know, but I was, saw him even last night, and I don't. He wasn't. He was still not. That's right. I always forget that. But you are right. That was a token look for a minute, for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, he got. And he, I think he got called out for it by Al. And I remember Al one time uh, at Warp Tour got called out by Milo for it. <laughs> I like the idea of like being a hierarchy about whoever wears like yeah. whatever they are, horn rims or whatever the hell they're hey, called. Yeah. In punk, shit rolls downhill. <laughs> All right, roll on this though. So. Okay, so I'm going to say, yeah, I really agree. And uh, at first I was like, oh, I don't know. But, you know, that is a four-record run, not purely punk. And I would say it's debatable if they ever were like a punk band or if they even wanted to call themselves a punk band even. But uh, definitely an uh, unbelievable four-record run from a band that has had an incredible influence on music. Yeah. If not necessarily music that I always love, but, you know, an incredible impact on all music. Yeah, I was amazed that you really went on this one. You you broke it down when I brought it up, and I was like, "Should we mention this?" And you were like, "Oh yeah," <laughs> you were like, like broke it down like a math formula. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, you do have a point." I think for me, I've never really gotten into anything they've done beyond that first LP, so I I don't really have a bearing on this one. I don't have an, like I don't I'm not opposed. I just I don't I'm I'm a blank slate as far as Talking Heads. Really, I don't I don't have any major opinion. Like speaking uh, speaking in tongues is definitely where I kind of get off. Of of like I don't, I don't really like and, and and I don't like that stop making sense record even though people think that's like one of the big greatest live things ever, you know? Like, yeah, I don't. I've again I know these covers, but I don't. I probably oh well, okay I know Psycho Killer of course, but I don't. Yeah, I don't know some of this stuff. What is a better live record is this live on tour record from '79 that they did. Yeah, which is yeah, exactly the first one they do, yeah. which is actually the fourth record technically, but we discounted it in the four record run because the live record didn't sort of count or whatever. Yeah, we don't really count live records. Even though like you have to count. That's actually like a weird thing. Like do you count live records in a band's discography because like I I normally don't, but you kind of definitely would do with the MC5, right? Yeah, exactly. You have to with that one. There's there's a few bands it is that's a that is a weird yeah, you're 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 onto something there because it's normally I don't. Normally I just sort of, you know, just don't think of it in the actual run of things. Bands yeah, dumb. Yeah, MC Five is one where you cannot like that has to happen, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and I guess also you know from two episodes back, apparently you have to do that as well with Metallic Ko. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I so, mean, not, I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I see, but. I don't know if I would count that in their run. I don't think I I would. Like for whatever bizarre reason, that one doesn't stick for me in their run because I think probably because the L, like the studio LPs are so strong outside of it, whereas MC Five kind of starts off on that foot. But uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, I've never thought about that before. That's an interesting point. Yeah, like I think it's a uh, it's a bizarre kind of like it, it's like it's a it's weird because like in hardcore. You know, like very rarely is there a, like a great, I don't know. Oh, well, actually, that's another, now that's going to be another debate. What's like a truly great hardcore live LP? Well, there's a very infamous one that people have written. We get into some of these going in. in okay, let's that, go on. Let's but, go on. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Get, into, we'll get into that. Uh, but like, I mean, that you consider better than like uh, a studio record. But anyway, we can go into this. 
No, no, it's it is a good point. You're not wrong, uh, but I, yeah, it's hard to kind of parse that one too uh, off the top of my head. Uh, but next, do you want to go to the next message then? Or next sure. Thing? Uh, right. Yeah. Um, uh, Gibby Haynes firing a shotgun on stage. Lollapalooza in 1991. John in Ithaca writes in regarding the topic of discharging weapons on stage. Gibby Haynes pulled out a shotgun during the Butthole Surface Lollapalooza 1991 set and fired several shots over the crowd. The fun starts at 4:31 in this video. Yeah, uh, we're gonna post it. Yeah, we're gonna post it on. Were they? Uh, I think oh, they got open. I thought you said they were blanks. You said he, he hopes they were, but uh, we also had blanks. Yeah, like, we had like, another. Sorry, go on. No, like not not saying that they weren't like a buck enough wild band in their own way to try pull some shit like that, but at the same time, like you'd be thinking, no, there's, bullets got to come down at a certain point. Do I really want to have to? You know, yeah. the buckshot's going to land if it hurts someone in the eye. Yeah, credit where it's due as well. There was another listener who wrote in, who wrote in a bunch of other things, but he also highlighted this uh, listener named Ian. But uh, the first one who wrote in was John there. Um, but I don't know, man. Like I've watched this, and we'll put it up on the Facebook thing on the Facebook uh, group or whatever. But the it looks to be because he throws up items and then shoots oh, he shoots them. Like he's trying to uh, shoot items this. that chucks up, so it looks like they're legit. I mean, it could only. Oh, be. look how fucked up he looks at the beginning of this video. Oh, it's oh, crazy. They're definitely fucked up. Oh yeah, man. It's like it's a wild video. When you look at this, the first thing I know I thought of when I opened this video is I thought this would never fly now, ever, yeah. anywhere. Like it's yeah. crazy to think this is only ninety one, and it it seems like it's so legitimately edgy, and it's at Lollapalooza, which is crazy. Yeah. So when you well, hear everything about, all about Lollapalooza, like you look back on that festival and it's like, that could not happen now. Like the cops would just freak the fuck out. They'd be like, why are these weird people together? Ah! But doesn't, doesn't it, it still exists, but it's not. No, the same. It's like totally different now. It's like, it's like, it's like a rock festival. Like, it's not like, look at this. Like a, like there's like a million people watching the butthole surfers play. That is true. And it is and 91, I believe was the first Lollapalooza as well. So this kind of makes sense as to why it was so. Like even then was so like uh, cutting edge still, but yeah. Um, but yeah, man, when he shoots, it lo- I, it looks to be real. I'm fairly convinced. And I uh, uh, yeah, like here's a conspiracy for you. Maybe they let Nirvana get big so they don't have to deal with like the reality that one of these crazier bands gets really popular. That's that's how the powers that be let Nirvana happen, Chris. We cracked the code. <laughs> that is a that is a very interesting way of looking at it. I had never thought about that before. <laughs> but um I, I will say I'm mildly not surprised that of all the bands and or people to have done this, that the butthole surface oh, God, were yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And and that is the person I would love to hear you interview also, might add. Oh my god, yeah. Well I've interviewed one one member. What member have you interviewed already? Jeff not from the Midlands. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sorry. But I mean, like, you know, I don't know. No, yeah, not I didn't do a Butthole Surfers one. Yeah. Oh, man, that would but be But regardless, nuts. that it's was a, the oh. Yeah, the footage is kind of wild. Like, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's wild. It's so sick, and it's pro shot, too. Yeah. It we stayed. should just do riff tracks of cool, like, live videos. <laughs> and do, a, do a YouTube podcast next where we just go through videos. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, dude. John... Thank you oh my god! Me. Like you could not like. This is just so like it's just crazy, like man. It's just like a. This is like a, a time capsule from like really legitimately 
the gnarliest time in music history. Yeah, and like you think of how many people are there, and this is happening. Like this just would never fly. I mean, it does look like there's not a million people, but it looks like there's I don't even know how many. Definitely, no, definitely not like legitimately a million people. No, but it's I mean, it's solid. He's shooting a glass bottle. Yeah, he throws. Oh, no, he, he also throws. throws he throws a glass bottle. Like he, I don't know what it is. Tries to headbutt it. Yeah, but he looks. He chucks a bottle of whiskey in the audience. That's glass. Like wheels it. Is that a gun gun or is that like a pellet gun? I don't know, man. When he shoots it, he kind of like catches real... the first item and it looks uh, pretty real. I don't know. I, think it, I don't think that's a... Uh, I don't maybe know. it's like... I don't know. I don't know. Either way, it's way crazier. Like I'm like, oh, maybe it's just a pellet gun. Like I would even pull a pellet gun out in 2016 <laughs> <laughs> in a crowd. The craziest Here's thing I've the... ever done is rub peanut butter on myself. <laughs> Here's what I will say. From what little I know about firearms, I don't believe the trajectory of which he's throwing something and trying to shoot it with the, the pellet gun that it would have like the force yeah, the that impact. It would. So it looks – I mean that to me – No, no. It's like a 22 or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't know like about a 22. It's, it looks like a, it's like, like a pump shotgun. I don't know if that could be a 22. Anyway, we're out of our element as far as gun knowledge. But, yeah, we um, definitely are. That is crazy footage, and it, uh, yeah, we're gonna throw it up. And like, security's just chilling, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, it's no nuts. one's freaked out. Like, this guy just walked off stage with a fucking gun! <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, where were you in 1991? Because yeah. uh, <laughs> that happened. Um, but yeah, so yeah. thanks, John. The next one, uh, is you. This is a great anecdote, by the way. Uh, okay. Which one? Uh, red, the red. Oh the yeah, yeah. Uh, another email regarding. Uh, sorry, another episode. Another email. Ben L. Regarding Damien's jerks of a stepdad and his distaste of the Circle Jerks name. One of my friends had loaned our buddy Ryan his Circle Jerks shirt from the farewell tour, 1991, with the Weirdos. Oh fuck yeah! I forgot the Weirdos did a reunion tour in the early 90s. <laughs> we had no idea of the name uh, meaning really. In retrospect, it was written in cum on the shirt, so I think if we had paid more attention to the tour dates and the awesome artwork, they played uh, Tijuana. Wow. We played, yeah. I guess like you, uh, we played Tijuana. Um, it's like it's like a it's like a tour stop. Bands can hit on the regular. I don't know if bands still do it, but we did it like, I don't know. I'm sure bands still do it, 100%. Uh, but anyway, I can't believe this. I wonder what the Circle Jerk show there was like. Yeah. 1991, Tijuana. Who knows, man? Ryan wore the shirt to a family dinner, and his dad yelled at him for wearing a shirt glorifying group <laughs> masturbation and made him eat dinner without his shirt on. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Glenn, I'm sure Glenn would have been equally shitty about that shirt if I had, if I had gotten a chance to buy a shirt that day. <laughs> I just thought it was a funny idea of you being not only reprimanded, but told not to change your shirt, but just without a shirt on, finish dinner. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that was a good anecdote. Uh, we have our Norwegian correspondent up next, who yes. sent in uh, the live record debate, the good punk live records debate, if you will. Yep. Okay. So, uh, Cal sends in Stiff Little Fingers, Hanks, uh, UK Thubs, I don't know why I did thubs, but subs, crash course, uh, Razia from, they were, a, I believe a German band, I'm Los Ilias, sure. uh, Limonados, live, no means no, live and cuddly, Leatherface, live in Oslo, Ramones, it's alive, uh, Astacasca, 
uh, live 12 inch, Husker Du, Land Speed Record. And the various artists one, yeah, I don't know. Silk Rock, which, uh, I'm not familiar with this comp, but I definitely gotta look this up now. Uh, and then KSMB, Det E for Mik, Ike? Yeah. And <laughs> the Dead Kennedy Skateboard Party. Uh, well, I, I haven't heard all of these. At no, all. I haven't either. But I would definitely say for, I, you know, I would say for regarding my earlier point, Land Speed Record as kind of like a legitimately classic hardcore live record. I don't, you know, I honestly don't think I've heard that record, which probably sounds insane. But as as you know, and maybe some listeners by now, I'm not like the most gigantic Husker Du fan. So, yeah, can't all be any... perfect, Chris. <laughs> I'll fully accept that that is a imperfection of mine, sure. But yeah, you know what? Actually, that. one of my favorite live songs of all time is. What's that? Oh no, you go on. What, you, you can talk more about your imperfections. I realized I cut you off. You're gonna. No, dude, I was good. I <laughs> okay, good. Okay, now because <laughs> we have to move on from your imperfections then. But uh, homicide. I was just thinking about. I was looking at this list and I was thinking, where do I know all these UK sub songs? They're all and the stiff little finger songs. They're all they're all in these comps that I have. Like what I you know CD punk comps that you'd buy when you're yeah. first like you know they were just so cheap in the yeah. '90s to buy these like eight CD set or four CD sets and they would have like tons of live stuff. And it's like, Oh yeah, it's from the stiff little fingers records and the UK subs record. But you remember the live version of homicide that nine, nine, nine does. I do not know. Oh, it is. That's like one of my favorite live songs I think ever. Cool. What do oh. you like? Are back to this point? Like, do you really, are you big on live records in general? No, generally I don't like them. Yeah, it's like I don't know if I'd say I don't like them. I just have never found a ton that I'm really into. I don't know if I would be opposed to them if they're good, but yeah. Like there's never – actually, that's not true. I don't know. I guess like – you know, because then uh, he goes on to others and he has uh, Kick of the Jams, The Who Live at Leeds, yeah. Long Riders, Metallic B.O., Celibate Rifles, Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Uh, like it's so – you know, like I, I would say Kick of the Jams though is one of those records where – you know, like studio versions of those songs wouldn't be as good. But most of the time, I just, I'm like, I'm hearing a live record. I'm like, uh, you know, a studio version of this would probably be better. Yeah, I'm with you there for the most part. Although I, we've had this debate before, and he mentions that Ramon's live record in here as well. I actually prefer uh, uh, Local Live, which is a later record, if I'm not mistaken, by Ramon's. But I, I like that Ramon's speed up when they play live. So that's why I like those kind of live records. But yeah, you're, you are not of the same. Uh, no, opinion. no, I like the Ramones as they uh, should be remembered at studio <laughs> speed. <laughs> no, I think it's I like I I think I've I've I remember as a kid it was my friend Simon Ennis who pointed it out to me I think first when we were kids he's like they would play way faster on the live records or maybe it was Mike you know maybe it was maybe it was Mike from Fucked Up someone pointed it out to me I was like oh and ever since then I've kind of been like I can't really listen to those live records because they play so fast on them compared to the way I like remember the songs from the records. Yeah, I, I get that. I just there's something about it. There's something about Johnny Live in in on any live records. It's just even of course DD. Um, yeah, next low. I don't know. For me, that's just they had something that I like about their live thing more than the recordings, studio recordings. Oh, by the way, I can't get wait to get this next Dave Martin email because I'm going to totally bust him on being wrong Dude, about go. something. You but anyway, let's go. No, I want to go more on this live thing. Do we have any more live record emails, or is this it? That was uh, we had. 
Let me see here. I think someone did send in a couple, but I didn't know if we wanted to tackle this beef yet. There are so many emails. Oh, yeah, buddy. It's it's getting real as far as this stuff. All right. We got to... What we do, what we need is we need like an intern (laughs) to be able to to do these things properly. Uh, No, this is good. We're doing we're doing it properly. Properly. (laughs) Yeah, well, we're trying. (laughs) We're doing it. Uh, I guess we should uh, move on to uh, SST faves from our good friend Dave Martin. And uh, do you want to read this one, Chris? I'll read it and then you can react because I think okay. it'll be funnier if we do it that way. Okay. But uh, SST faves, man, you guys have a knack for the time slash brain destroying concepts like quote favorite non black flag SST releases. To make it a bit more interesting, you should also have to exclude all of the heavyweights like Husker Du, the Minutemen, uh, etc. Like if they had four or more SST releases. And re-releases don't count. Sorry, Descendants. Milo goes to college. Doesn't count as it was a new alliance blast power of expression two as it was wishing well so he's excluding those uh but his left field choice one for me uh is tar babies quote-unquote fried milk and he mentions the sonic youth record here well i don't even know how this is pronounced anyway ages ag or is that just an acronym he's putting well, uh, anyway. experimental jet set trash no star oh okay i didn't get that pardon me i'm slow yeah. to the punch here but uh yeah uh, he said it's their worst record also, and he said he's late for work now. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Dave, okay. I'm going to take you a task on that because I don't think it's the worst one. There's definitely way more boring. I agree. Yeah. No, I'm with you there. I'm with you there too. <laughs> there are some songs on that, and that record moves. You know? Uh, yeah, that one – I mean for me, there's ones that came after that are yeah. clearly worse. But I mean I'm not trying to be like hammering – Sonic Youth at this moment, but yeah, if I if I were put to the sword about it, yeah, absolutely. Like Sonic Nurse is not a good record. People have raved about that to me forever. It is straight up not a good record. And it's definitely not better than that record. But that's yeah. my opinion. And I like I like Ghosts, like New York City Ghosts. Was that one? Yeah, yeah, that one I like. I like I like later Sonic Youth too. But I like that record, and that also might be that's the record that I kind of admittedly really got into them on when that record had come out i was like oh this is perfectly time for me being obsessed with this band um so that could be why but i don't know i think that record's cool and it's it's definitely them kind of reflecting the sound of the bands that they were on tour with so it's them kind of reacting but i think that's what makes that record interesting the video for bull and the heather was also really cool the best and- video ever yeah and it's got casting <laughs> and hannah in it if yep. i'm not mistaken yep. Um, but I always have a beef. The one that, that for me seems to be, although it is later than that, I thought it was before well, the one before that experimental jet set record, but I really don't like washing machine. So a lot of people love that record too, but that one I definitely put below experimental jet set personally as well. So that, that one came out in 95 after, after experimental jet yeah, set. That was the next one right after. Yeah. I then had that really long song diamond C on it, which I can see why yeah. people had a problem with it, but like. Uh, you know, uh, one sec. Uh, um, fuck, I'm supposed to meet Mike. <laughs> okay. On this thing. Yeah, yeah. At like three. <laughs> I'm going to leave this <laughs> in. I'm not going to edit this in. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you should. I think it shows the world. 
shows the world and how fucked up my world is, unfortunately, and how uh, scattered and messed up everything is, right? <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, okay. So Sonic Youth, that was our take. That's no trash. That was our take on our hot take. But anyway, Diamond C, good song, kind of long. Uh, takes up half that record. So I could see why you weren't a fan of that record. But I also have nostalgic ties to that record, too. It was definitely of the era that I was right in the, in the pocket for that group as well. But for whatever reason, that didn't hit me. But I did like A Thousand Leaves. I liked after that. Um, NYC Ghosts and Flowers. Like, that record's got a great cover. It looks cool. It's got the Burroughs thing. But the uh, it's it's okay. Murray Street's decent. After that, Sonic Nurse, like I said, I don't like that record. And Rather Ripped, I really don't like. So for me, those some of those later ones are definitely worse by far. Uh, than experimental jet set, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think so. I would say so too. But um, but that's where you and me differ from Dave. Also, I differ from Dave because I love it's in my blood, so I would count that. Which one? What? Hold on here. What are you looking for? Or blast? Because he doesn't. He says like. Oh, oh, sorry. He says yeah. like power expression doesn't count, but I think I like it's in my blood more than I like power of expression. Ah, okay. Well, there's another point there. Contentious. No. What do you say? You don't do you disagree? I, don't, I have no blast, uh, enough blast knowledge to really have a, a, a battle on that one. I like obviously power expression is more punk, but I think uh, it's in my blood. Is kind of like that's where the that's where like the the power is. Fair enough. I I, I have to uh, I'll have to immerse myself to to have an opinion on that going forward. But yeah, I don't have I don't have any input unfortunately. All right. Well, let's move on to the next email then. <laughs> I got really disjointed because of those texts. I'm sorry, everyone. Hey, no worries. Reality of, of, of 20th century life, I guess. 21st century <laughs> life. God, we had so much easier in the 20th century, Chris. <laughs> so this next message I'll take if you want. Uh, it's from Jeff M. Uh, it's relating to our discussions about Ted Nugent and Kiss mm-hmm. from the previous footnote. Uh, that kind of was brought up in the flag thing. Um, he mentions that sort of what we were talking about was in reference to something that Rollins mentions on a live record of his, spoken word record, that is, uh, Talk is Cheap, Volume 2. But um, he mentions uh, another point, which I thought was kind of interesting, which was uh, his exposure to Rollins was when he was 18 through spoken word, getting played at College Radio in 91. Uh, mentions kind of the crucial era of Rollins, as most people know, like End of Silence, Wait, etc., um, but he was just a fan in general, but he mentions how he finds it odd that like the, the anti Rollins backlash has always fascinated him. And to me, or I'm quoting him to me, it seems like within the genre hipsterism, punk fans, quote unquote, too cool for school with, will shit on Rollins. People into goth and industrial will roll their eyes at nine inch nails. I never understood people only listen to one genre. I never understood people in subcultures who try to find ways to exclude rather than include others, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but yeah, I just like that point, and I thought it was an interesting talking point because we—I don't think we've really discussed that idea of like the kill your idols uh, punk rock thing much on this show. No, yeah, like it, it's a weird, but it, I think it's something you naturally have to do, and I think it's something punk naturally has to do in order for punk to keep surviving. I agree. I think I think it is a rite of passage amongst punk. Like it yeah. seems to be, especially. More often than not, it's the younger coming up that has like sort of a point to prove, and therefore they they you know or kill even it. even the or peers attempt. or the people just below, I would say, or like the peers that just like are like, no, not anymore. I did, this was not the band I signed up for. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point. 
But it's funny that I find, I mean, in every, I suppose in every genre there's a part of this, but I find punk is really particularly nasty about it, it seems. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it's like the enemy, you know? And, <laughs> you know, it's, we're just as vicious and, and just as harsh in the media as, as any other music media. I think it's just also, you know, like you, you, you gotta like shed your old skin to to at a certain point too right like so you got to kind of like be like oh that that that's not what i'm about now i'm in just this thing now and then i think i think that's well said and it's well put yeah um in this message too just quickly he goes on to mention that black flags first four years is actually rollins's favorite record so he thinks that people are a little harsh with kind of bagging on rollins about black flag related things well and, well, I mean, uh, but also to be fair what's he gonna say my word, <laughs> exactly. you know, or process of weeding out. <laughs> like he really doesn't have a lot of options. Agreed, but I think it was. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, perhaps that's a little optimistic. Yeah, and um, I, I like I. You know, as we stated last episode, I think like the as as this is saying the anti as Jeff is saying the anti Rollins sentiment in is just like ridiculous because it's like people trying to have ownership over the, like the first year of Black Flag or like the second year of Black Flag. Yeah, it's it's a difficult thing coming from uh, like a, a modern, like a contemporary standpoint to really flex on as far as Black Flag is concerned. Mm-hmm. Not that you don't, yeah, everyone can have an opinion of what era or what singer they like. That's fine, but like to to dismiss that, I think is a bit naive at the least. Yes. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that I think that's the, uh, but that's the thing. You have to kind of do that. You know, you got it's true. You gotta you gotta like. You gotta like throw out certain stuff and, and, and enjoy other stuff and be a jerk, <laughs> just like the people did before you. I remember when I got in, like, you know, getting into it and being like, you know, going to like Simon Harvey being like, or not Simon, I, yeah, I remember it was him, like, Judge is like the best band ever. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I saw them or something. No, you didn't see them or something, but you like, you know, it was just like this sort of thing where it was, you know, and, and but that's just the way it is now. Like when you know someone comes up to me and is like, "Oh, you know, Scare Tactic is the best band ever," and you're like, you laugh in their face. You like le- legitimately have to laugh in their face. <laughs> that is a very interesting choice, Damien. Someone has think... said that to me. Are you serious? Yeah. I thought you'd made that up. No, I swear. And I'm to not God. trying to be. I'm not trying to de- be disrespectful because I own that record. But uh... I know I'm, I'm not being disrespectful either. I own that record too. But like, you know, I I, I think I you know. Much like Rollins said, the first four years was his favorite Black Flag record. I don't think Jonah would say Scare Tactics is his favorite record he ever played on. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably accurate. You know. But so that's why I was shocked when someone said that to me. Well, more power to them, but I am literally shocked at that. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> something. Okay. Uh, should we do this? Should we do we? Fucking... I say go to the next one if it's going to go down a wormhole. There was another point which we can bring up another time if you want, or do it now. Well, we, can, we, we just brief it up. Brief, we'll go into it another time. But uh, Jeff also wants us to tackle alternative tentacles and go through that catalog, like we did the SST catalog, and brings up yeah. some examples: Buttle Surfers, DOA, Canadian Subhumans, Wesley Willis, and Zolar X. I think the Subhumans. That's just the reissue. Right, I believe so. I don't. I don't. I'm bad. And Solar X is definitely just the reissue. Uh, but I. But but it's on. It counts. I mean, it I, counts. I, it counts. And you have seven seconds. They get you know, 
yeah, uh, the true. first 7-inch. True. Uh, there's an Amoebics. Uh, you know, Dead Kennedys, obviously. Like, we're not, not going to talk about Killing Idols now. No, we finish the rest of this email. So, you know, <laughs> let's be, be honest about it. Be real about Dead Kennedys, definitely. Uh, Alice Donut for me. I'm not even going. I'm, this is just off the top of my head. I'm not. I don't even have the Discogs open or don't even have, like, records in front of me. These are just the ones off the top of the head. And I'm sure we could find way more. No means no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go through that. Flipper. Flipper. Fuck, we got to do it, Chris. Let's just do it. Yeah, I'm in. I'm already in. You you started it. So the okay. funny thing is if you wanted to be a stickler, you could actually count the Flex Your Head Cop because they did the whatever, the the other Oh, version. yeah, the other pressing of it. Uh, I, I, I also got to say, um, now that I'm doing my Discogs, uh, people out there, if you're doing your discogs, people are slipping on the Canadian stuff. I'm going to have a lot of work entering all these Canadian records. <laughs> yeah, get your act together. Like hundreds and hundreds. So please, someone <laughs> do the work for me if you can. <laughs> the uh, problem is there's like five people that can do the work, and you are probably the only one that's actively on discogs. I'm sure there's others. <laughs> Who are you kidding, Chris? There's definitely the other people are definitely on discogs too. They could be adding entries. Discogs, is, oh, I don't know. Maybe not adding entries, but certainly trading records. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, though, like actually doing the archival work. I don't know, man. I think you're. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, well, I'm not. I haven't started entering stuff yet, so you know, don't give me any credit yet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's my point exactly that's why none of it's up there <laughs> okay well let's go on to uh this uh monster of discography from yeah, there's Alternate a lot Tentacles. that's here there's Dead a candy's 100 percent. witch trials is uh an interesting record that i've never heard but i really i should buy because it's like the sound side project that Eng- that british band yeah yeah i don't know i don't know that one either and a Dead Kennedys thing. Obviously, the Dead Kennedys. Uh, I guess for X. that, though, if we, if we were going to eliminate Black Flag and the SST debate, let's eliminate Dead Kennedys from the Alternative Tentacles one then. So, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So we'll go. Yeah. Who do you take out? So just, you, you just keep, all you can take out is Dead Kennedys, though, because everything else, I think, maybe Butthole Surfers. No Dead Kennedys, no Butthole Surfers. What's the best? Well, if we're going by. It's tough. Like there's, hmm. I'm reluctant to make a judgment on this because a lot I really like, and there's a lot I wasn't aware of. Sort of gets on this. I mean, you you could mention MDC's first LP. Yeah. You but could then, mention well, that doesn't count because no, that came out on another label first. Okay. Right. So, they did that. They self released that first, I believe. Yeah, I th- I think so too because it's even got that bad brains twelve inch, but that had to be someone else. Like, I can't remember who did that originally. Uh, eighty two. Yeah, they, they did. They did it. They were the ones. Or or alternative tentacles originally. Yeah, because I'm like I don't I'm bad with like the the pressing variations of some of these bands, so I don't really remember which versions. Uh, I'll look it up right now, mind you, but. Um, because it, so it was the for, if I was a Mar cassette that they reissued, so I guess it yeah it doesn't. I wouldn't I guess count that they re, they reissued uh, the Roar cassette. Well, it's under that listing. Oh, maybe they did. Well, they must have like that was just in the nineties that that got reissued. No, right? you know what? It definitely isn't because the Roar cassette has way more. So I don't even know. There's a there's a um, pardon me. There is a black uh, bad brains twelve inch that has I love I jaw. Sailing on big takeover 
from 82, and I don't know, it's like it's got the classic cover. I don't know what it would have originally come on if it, if it wasn't just this. Virus that? 13. It might be them originally. I can't remember. I guess it must have been. There'd be no... If that's the case, I mean, this is a pretty strong one. Yep. Um, I don't know. Like they gave it a virus number even, right? So that must be... I don't well, think I've ever seen that. Me either. That's why I'm kind of like shocked that I found something. <laughs> Just looking. It's a, uh, And it's not... From what I can see here, it's not even terribly expensive, which is also... Oh, bizarre. what the fuck is this? It must be like a... What is this? It's almost... Like, yeah. seems like... Because don't they do that on the Omega Sessions one? But they don't do Sailing on the other. So it's some weird... I don't know what session this even would have been that they recorded. There's some bad brains freaks out there that are probably losing their minds right now listening to this. But yeah, for some reason, I don't place this one. But this is definitely a strong contender if it's the genuine article originally on Alternative Tentacles. Yeah, like how have I not seen a copy of this? Yeah, likewise. I don't know. <laughs> But 82, Virus 13, that's a pretty strong contender for me. Uh, yeah. Hard to beat. Let me see. I'm still going to go with Al's Donut Mule. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. Just because that song, Tiny Ugly World, is one of my favorite songs of all time. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's a, like, there's a lot of great stuff on this. But, I mean, there's even Late Toxic Reasons or Later Toxic Reasons, I should say. Yeah, I'm going to go know. with the farts would be yeah. there. That crazy weird Brad, Bad Brains 12-inch, obviously not so quiet on the Western Front. God, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff on it. Landspeed well, Record. Let Them Be Jelly Beans would count as well, of course. Comp, Even Beneath you. the Shadows? The yeah. Eraserhead soundtrack? Yeah, which is another strange one. I passed over that too, and I was like, what? It's just funny looking over these things and things you did just not just in the UK about. pressing was um, yeah. there. And European pressing of it. Yeah, strange. Still Very strange. strange. Butthole Surfers, that EP. Yeah, I said I, I took them out, but you could, we can if we put them back okay. in. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. I just, whatever. I just was... Teddy and a Frat Girls, even though it's kind of a reissue, I think. That's the way, if I remember correctly now. Yeah. Anyway, a lot what of good stuff. Them? I would say the first, like... 50 approaching 50 have a lot of solid stuff in that run yeah um, even there's good stuff obviously after but the really uh although sex mad is 56 sex mad i guess is for yeah sex mad i love that record uh but no means no would have multiple releases if we're discounting them from that idea then i wouldn't pick it but sex mad is one of my top ones for sure oh now i know what's up with the teddy and the frat girls it was they they were pure smegma right was that it Sheer Smegma, that was it. You got me on that. But anyway, they did a 12-inch. Alternative Tentacles did the 12-inch, which is awesome. I want to be a man. Yeah. Um, It's it's a cool record. Uh, There's a lot of... Man, Alternative Tentacles has got a pretty heavy history. Yeah, totally. Pretty, pretty heavy history. If only Jello Biafra had more time to do interviews. (laughs) (laughs) And while you didn't... I'm surprised you didn't mention the... Which was the sort of the... The item that was talked about in the previous episode, but the neurosis connection too. Well, but that you can't. I don't know if we can. Uh, that's, yeah. that's the one you don't talk about, right? With neurosis, but yeah, okay. those, those would definitely be. If I was going to give those to uh, alternative tentacles, then yeah, those would be. I couldn't. I'd be hard. 
you know, hard to say better. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. You know, but yeah. So there's there's a little alternative tentacles one for uh, for the folks that enjoyed the SST breakdowns. And I lost. In, you still lost in the alternative tentacles. Yeah, I'm just here. looking at the alternative tentacles discogs. <laughs> oh my god, what a discography! What a label! What a label! And seven yeah. seconds. And the first seven seconds. Yeah. yeah. I got to get that bad range, though. I don't know why I'm with you. I don't know why I don't own that. Yeah, I can't believe it. I cannot believe I did not know. Like, just never seen that. Never, ever seen that. (laughs) Likewise. Okay, so should we move on to... Yeah, you're next. We got another email. The emails are are vast this week. This was one you forwarded to me. Yeah. Louie, Louie. Tom... Uh, Thomas M has written in to tell us, uh, the, you know, fan of the show, but also that Louie Louie is covered on the infamous last show by the Stooges, aka Metallic KO from the episode with Black Flag that they talk about as being the greatest record, greatest live record of all time. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I just want to say that there is an amazing history of it. And I actually went on, I, I guess I have a copy. I, well, I do have a copy of Metallica on vinyl, but I was I was just more that I wanted to kind of like go and listen to it. But if you go on YouTube, there's like so many versions of Metallica and including the history of Metallica and the bootleg that is Metallica. Yeah, I have. Uh, I don't even know which version I have of this. It's definitely a later one, probably from. I'm seeing ones from '99. I think it's the Munster one that I have. No, I can't. I have like yeah, but there's like a. Have you seen that one that's like a double LP? Version? I think that's the one I have. It has a huge poster in it too. That's the complete version because for the longest times I think there was just half of it. It was like two shows, um, and it's and it is definitely one of the best live records of all time. <laughs> Going back and listening to it again when people are yelling at him and stuff and throwing shit at him. Yeah, oh my gosh, great. it is great. Agreed. But yeah, I can't remember which reissue I have of this. One of the later ones, but or whatever bootleg. I don't know what the, uh, the monster. I know that's a reissue. They, they've got they're they're legit. I would imagine. Yeah, I think definitely. that's the one I have. I'm not sure, but it's definitely it looks to be, and it's definitely the two LP one or whatever with the poster. So I think that's yeah, yeah, that's the one I have. The it's setup for that look. song is awesome too. It's just man, it's just great. Oh, it's it's actually really – they do a really good job of that record, like the actual uh, – the way it looks, it's really well done. Well, Munster's got to be at this point like one of the longest-running garage punk labels in the world, right? Like yeah, when they start, like like late 90s, like early 90s, I should say, 80s. 80s. Yeah. They did a Sonic Youth record. <laughs> they did. Split, yeah. With the Miracle Workers. That's, wow. That's another record I've never seen. <laughs> Likewise, yes, <laughs> until now. Okay, let's move on, because we'll be stuck in this fucking Discogs wormhole forever if we don't. Yeah, the next one is just a quick one. You mentioned it was from Footnote 91, a person met, uh, wrote in, Ian, uh, relating to Flag. They were wondering if it was the Circle Jerks 052482 live at the Fillmore was the one you were thinking of, of that live record, I believe, that was mentioned last footnote. Yeah, I don't think it is. I think it's an other, I think it might be even an earlier show. 
but it was an SST, I believe, recording, because as this uh, emailer goes on to say that this one was from, I believe, the CD Characters show. Yeah, and he the mentions CD the CD Presents part. CD Presents, yeah, with that's it. it. CD yeah, Characters was a, was a UCD store in Toronto. Sorry, got the two confused there. <laughs> but yeah, he mentions, yeah, related to that. So it wasn't that one, you don't think. And he, what are, yeah, actually, this is another person that, that gave some live records. Mm-hmm. It was a Black Flag Live in 84. And the Sex Pistols Better Live Than Dead, which I hadn't heard. And I don't think you said you had either. I'm trying to remember no, what show is that. We're going to look that up. Yeah. Um, but they are... You know, not one of the greatest live bands of all time. I think to go back and reflect on. Definitely have a a couple bootlegs that are a little sloppy, but better live this than one, oh, this is like yeah, this is the famous one from that yeah, was like on Restless Records. Eighty six, yeah. Uh I've never heard this. Yeah. I've definitely heard it, but I do not recall now in the slightest of an informed opinion. Yeah, and no we'll, one wants to hear us do a riff track of listening to it right now. I don't think so. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, let's. That's a good message. And then I thank you very much. Yeah, definitely for sending. You sent this one, so take it. This is the last one. Uh, I actually closed uh, my Google Doc, Chris. So okay, so I'll take it. Okay, you no, can I'll take it. it. That's fine. It's a footnotes related message that you received uh, from Josh B. Uh, first off, love the work this week, you guys. Your podcast was. Uh, what with the podcast as unorganized as it is with four interviewees, it seemed very chaotic. That's in relation to the actual flag. Yeah, interview. yeah. I was gonna say I, I was hoping that was kind of a shot at footnotes, and I was gonna be very. <laughs> <laughs> it's disorganized, but that's because of me, not because of four people. <laughs> but uh, there was honestly so much content that you're uh, that you covered very well in the footnotes. Love the poll notes that came this week. Top, top splits. Uh, from a certain time period, the idea of asking the interviewers or the interviews about other music regionally with their scene was going on. And if there was any influence or ear shots going on through all of that, I thought I would do my part on a couple of, uh, on a couple list compilations you may have been requesting top compilations in no order that I remember loving the most, uh, hopelessly devoted to you. Volume two, five years on the street, survival of the fattest plea for peace, take action. Volume 1, Punkorama Volume 2, and Given the Boot Volume 1, which is very much Damien's bread and butter. So yes. you take this. Uh, I would say, uh, well, I don't know. Those ones are like Survival of the Fattest, Volume 1 and 2, definitely. I wasn't, I don't know, Given the Boot, we've established on this show. <laughs> yeah. The greatest ska punk song of all time. It deserves not to be dismissed, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, oof. Hopelessly devoted. I'm not having that one personally, but yeah, I was a volume one. I was definitely a fan of, but I don't know if volume two as much. Five years on the street was that the vagrant compilation? I believe. I don't know. I got to look that one up. That was the one that I didn't know of all of them. I think it is the vagrant one. Looking it up as we speak. Uh, yeah, it's a. Yeah, it is vagrant. You're good on that. Wow. You well, know 90s punk cops. <laughs> uh, not that I – well, Vagrant's like the one label. I find that label very interesting. I don't know that much about it compared to a lot of other labels. Like it was founded by Face to Face's manager, I believe, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, it obviously has a very strong tie to Rock from the Crypt. And it was like Swami's kind of like 
parent label at one point, right, Chris? I am not positive on that, but okay. I thought you had that story about going to the vagrant warehouse nope. with Dallas. No, that wasn't you. Not me, but we do know. Yeah, our friends were were signed to that label for a minute, I believe. Yeah, but no, I, I never had any uh, exposure to any of that, unfortunately. Why? Because I remember uh, George having all like all the Swami CDs in his car. It's like, where'd you get all these? He's like, I got them all when we went to the vagrant warehouse. Oh, okay, so. cool. I guess so. I I don't know of that connection but cool maybe i'm misremembering it but that's pretty sure what it is but anyway so yeah i'm not that familiar with that comp but uh you know like i definitely a strong list i'm not going to say they're all going to make my list though we've established that give them the boot has the greatest ska punk song ever <laughs> i've yet to be yeah i would i can't that cannot be disproven thus far for me so i'm with you on that yeah yeah um but yeah so those are those are good suggestions uh though that is uh very true very true. Good suggestions indeed, Chris. Sorry. When people send you texts and they pop up, I wish there was a way to like turn off that function. There is, I believe. If you put on your do not disturb, I don't think they come up, but I'm not positive. Yeah, but people probably like that ding noise every once in a while too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put on do not disturb. Okay, Chris, let's move on to the episode, I believe. Yes. Okay. Today we are going to tackle an episode that goes deep into Victoria hardcore and Canadian hardcore in general. But this to me is awesome because I kind of mentioned this to uh, Stephen McBean in the show. To me, he's kind of like the prototypical hardcore kid in a lot of ways. Like their scene was like definitely like the scene that would kind of define certainly the hardcore kid that we were an era a part of. Yeah. I, I think what influenced, yeah, our, people of our generation or whatever persuasion. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like the idea of like, like, you know, internationally looking, playing fast, not particularly about the aesthetic, more about just, or, or sort of art, I should say, but more just about like loving punk and loving hardcore. Yes. And I think it wasn't particularly fashionable either. Yeah. That's, that seems to be the other thing too, but I, this is a great episode and I'm going to let you kind of run with the first point, Chris. Okay. Well, I'll just go with the top one. Cause I don't, I want you to elaborate on this. Cause I even looked it up. I tried to find, I'm, uh, I'm not surprised to learn of it, but I don't remember the punk and McLean stuff you guys are discussing. And I never saw that. I've never actually seen a copy of it myself. I've tried to pick it up several times at dragon lady comics which is no longer here it had an amazing uh vintage magazine section and stuff or used magazine section and i yeah i haven't been able to find this issue but apparently it had a vile tones thing in it too my, amazing i think my dad told me about it if I remember correctly. what like what year this is the 80s or this no is... 70s oh is that early Holy yeah yeah it would have been like kind of as it was happening Oh, so the real, okay, because uh, by the way it was sort of mentioned in the interview, I thought it might have been like an afterthought 80s sort of thing where they did like a little, I don't know, retrospect because of whatever reason. But okay, cool. I had no idea. But yeah, I'd love to see this. If anyone has uh, scans of it or anything, I couldn't seem to find them. I tried to look it up. I did not have any luck. Uh, I found some McLean's punk content, but it was all sort of a teenage head sort of book review, things like that. It wasn't related to that specific uh, topic that, that was discussed. Yeah, like I remember hearing about it. And I also can dig out the Steve Leckie uh, from the Valtones uh, publicity zine that he commissioned Glenn Salter to do. And Glenn Salter did extra copies and I bought one off him years ago. And it has just kind of like a, just like an insane array of Valtones press clippings. 
That's, that's cool. Lightning capped. It's awesome. So I'm sure it's in how there. How big is it? Like how big is that thing you're talking about? Oh, it's like I don't know, eighty pages, sixty pages, maybe, wow. uh, maybe less than that. Uh, it's been a while oh, since I took it out. Glenn used to do killer zines, and Steve Lecky one day came in a full blast. I think it was full blast, and was like, "I want you to do a zine about me." <laughs> <laughs> nice. Got him to do it. So uh, I guess that's um, time I'm over. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, next time you come over, we'll dig that one out. This is how we party, people. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought it was neat. I, I always find that sort of for people who don't know international listeners, like McLean's is a, I believe it's a national Canadian magazine. Yeah. Um, it would be, I don't know what the even American equivalent would be. I guess it would be certainly not time or something like that, but it would be something like that. But um, It'd be like the New York Times kind of, I guess. I don't know what it would be. Like it's obviously the New York Times is a newspaper, not a magazine, but like, I don't know what McLean's would be. Like it's kind of conservative, kind of businessy, kind of foreign affairs. Yeah. But it's so obviously they were covering these sorts of things here and there uh, and still do on occasion, a very yep. rare occasion. But, uh, uh, but I didn't, I wasn't aware of how much of the first wave sort of stuff they were hitting. And it's crazy to hear that he had seen that and it made an impact when he was sort of getting into all that. Well, I guess it was like hitting on all media, right? Like it would be like the same way people write about the disaffection of the millennials now and stuff, yeah. right? Like it's just like that was the the f- terribly frightening youth culture phenomena of the day. <laughs> yeah, true. You, you are. I don't think you're far off on that. It's probably what was inspired why why they did it. But uh, I'm just always like these are the kind of things that I wish I was able to collect more of, like th- that sort of stuff. I don't have really much of it, but uh, but yeah, I would love if someone has it has scans, please send them our way. I would love to see them uh, or the actual articles or content, whatever it is. But yeah, I could not find anything myself. And you, I was, I didn't know if you had it or had seen it either. So uh, we're at a loss right now. We don't really have any reference, but cool nonetheless to mention. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely uh, something that I would love to get a copy of myself. So, or see copies. So yeah, send, send, send those scans. Uh, so I guess for me, for the next point, I yep. guess the idea of, you know, well, I guess we could talk about the Neos and. Yeah, okay. Okay. That's an easy one. Um, Amazing. That's all that needs to be said really is amazing, but okay. <laughs> yeah, like one of one of the greatest hardcore bands to come out of this country, certainly. Um, and one of the fastest hardcore bands and the first bands that kind of like really – one of the first bands that really pushed that speed barrier in hardcore. Yeah. What I never thought I would sort of compare in my mind, although obviously I like both these bands for different reasons and I think both the records are really excellent, but I never – think of like deep wound and think of the neos at the same time like stylistically there is a um a similarity speed wise certainly but i liked in the interview how you kind of tied together that idea of the time and place of that era of band and it's interesting that on both well i mean it was around the all you know various parts of the world but certainly and the west coast and then you know of course in the east uh with like things like deep wound things like that i guess which would be more inspired by that earlier boston stuff i guess yeah yeah and but it's interesting that this it was a victoria vancouver i can't remember what he said oh victoria they're from apparently yeah but, uh, from victoria yeah so which is a fairly i mean if you've ever been in which you damien you have but for listeners who may have not it's a you know it is isolated in a sense i mean it's not way out but it's for if you're in that area of the world but it's for us it's fairly remote compared to where we are 
Oh, certainly. Like I would say, uh, from where we are, it's well, it's the other side of the country, like completely. Yeah, but I mean, like to us, like our East Coast equivalent, I don't know what that would be. I mean, it would. It's so it's it's an interesting thing to think about this like homegrown scene sort of springing up and him being sort of uh, well, a little bit younger, I think, than these guys, but. Mm. Um, but that sort of like that making a sound onto itself that is very similar to another scene elsewhere. There's just kind of an interesting thing to me with that. I, I never think of like Victoria, British Columbia, or even like I'm aware of obviously the punk things in that part of the world, but I never, I don't know. I never think of it as like innovation or something. And to me, like the Neos were like a kind of band ahead of it. Well, I would say, I would say Victoria is the most innovative punk scene in Canada. Like if you look like you got, Dagolo Abortions, The Neos, and No Means No. Yeah. And that's your, like, big three for the and first. And those are all... And Red Tide. Red Tide, too, obviously. Yeah, they're all, like, pretty different in distinct ways. Yeah. Which is also the interesting thing about it. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. Like, another text for Dane. <laughs> yeah. But the... Uh... Uh, okay. That's just Mike writing me again. <laughs> Cool. It's all right. Leaving soon. I will let you know when I'm on the bus. <laughs> all right. So Neos, what did you want to impart about the Neos? Uh, I want to. Uh, I guess I wanted to talk, kind of like yeah, like what basically what you're saying. But I wanted to talk about how this was like the one really obscure kind of Canadian band. Like they are ultimately very obscure, uh, that kind of comes up a lot, you know, like I, my first introduction to them came from buying the break even reissue. I think it's of a practice session or something. It's like the third seven inch that the Neos put out, but it came out in the nineties. Yeah. That was like fighting with Donald. I believe it's called. Yeah, that's that's what it was called. And it's one of the first records I ever bought at Rotate This. Wow. Yeah, it came out in 97. Yeah. It was like Yeah. Oh no, yeah, so what I was it was when I just started buying Switch Over and I was not going to buy any more CDs and I was only going to buy 7 inches and it was one of the first records I bought there. Wow. And yeah, what no, was that doesn't make sense. No, that does not make sense at all. <laughs> 97? That's when it came out? No, then I must have bought other records before that because I'd already had Skin Brain Scuts and all that. What I'm amazed by is it's listing that Schizophrenic did a reissue of this too, maybe, or I don't know what. Trying oh, to no, this is what I'm trying to remember. This is actually the day I met Craig Karen in Amants was the day that I bought this 7-inch there. That was the first day I met Amants. Well, there you go. But yeah, yeah he, they did, I'm trying to find it though. So it was just like a split? No, it's it's a split release between the two labels. And it's one of the first things that Schizophrenic did. Yeah. Number two, right? And, uh, you know, Craig had an, what's Craig's old band? Craig was in an old hardcore band too. I don't know uh, the bands he was in, but he's a good human being. I like oh, that. Awesome. Awesome, dude. Awesome. And, uh, great label and cool, cool stuff. I put out records on him and stuff. So, but like, which was awesome to kind of later do. But this is, you know, was one of the first kind of like, ah, I don't know, like records I bought by a local person. I met him at the, the Rotate. I guess he was dropping them off that day. It seems way more pivotal in my mind than what it sounds when I say it out loud. But uh, <laughs> definitely a big record for me. Also, it's found on that hardcore 
What's it called? Uh, I'm trying to see it on the CD shelf. Can't see it. Anyway, that hardcore comp, that bootleg comp with like the Necros. Because the Necros, the Neos, really red. It has uh, United Mutation on it. Has Angry Simones on it. Let me see here. I'm looking it up. Uh, yeah, do you remember what label here. did it? It's like a bootleg. That's the Raw War one? No. No. Appearances. Um, compilations. World's um, Finest Hardcore Volume. That's it. <laughs> I'd never seen this before. Wow. Oh, you don't have this. Is, this I, don't, is I don't have this, but I have some of these records. Oh, okay. That's cool. I never knew that this it was a CD that had these. Cool. Yeah, I bought this CD at Full Blast, and I wish they put up Volume 2 because I'm not going to say this is a collection of the rarest records, but this might be a collection of some of my favorite hardcore records of all time. Yeah, this is great. I wish I had got this when it came out. I don't, because there's some of these records, obviously, I, I came to later, a bit later than that, but yeah, uh, I'm amazed that they had that. Is that the first Angry Samoans? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's the only interesting... thing I still need on this, because I've tried to collect everything, is that Sick Pleasure 7-inch. Yeah. But anyway, it came out for listeners not familiar. It's called the label's called World's Finest Hardcore, which is very, very interesting. Uh, and it's called World's Finest Hardcore Volume One, the CD from '97. But it has Neos, Angry Samoans, Clip Boys, Sick Pleasure, Necros, The Farts, United Mutation, and Really Red. And mm-hmm. I'm, if I'm not off, it seems to be the first releases from each one of these bands, I believe. Uh, I think no, the Necros is the second one. Okay, yeah, sorry, Necros is. But I don't know about. I think the other ones. Yeah, everyone are. else is their first. Oh, is it the Sick Pleasure split come up? I think the split came up before the seven inch. Okay. Well, split I don't know. I guess anyway, the, yeah, most of them. Whatever. First own releases, I suppose. It also has two. pretty informative liner notes too for the time. Cool. Yeah, actually, I'm looking here. Yeah, it's it's a cool looking thing too. Never seen it. Very um, cool. But so that was one of the early ones you bought, and then the, you had that anecdote about the skip. Yeah, but then thing. and then so I kind of was aware of this band. So when I got that no effects, fuck the kids seven inch, it pissed me fucking off. They had that song and didn't credit them. <laughs> Which you brought up so many times. It's so, so many funny. times. So many like goddamn times. I like dismiss that too. I think that's so crazy. Yeah, he always dismisses it. Yeah. But uh, like, what do you say in defense of it? <laughs> but yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, Neo is great. Uh, I think uh, I, I don't have anything to impart, but I love that you brought up the no effects thing, <laughs> as you always do. Always do. Uh, <laughs> I think it's also awesome that they were in communication with Deep Wound to bring it back to what you were saying. Yeah, like that whole – this interview was really interesting for me because it's bizarre that this – I'm familiar with um, um, the bands this person has been in, but I was not aware of the punk connections that he had. And not only were they like solid, but like the stuff he was mentioning specifically was like really filling in some interesting like tidbits of history, which I don't think are touched on very often. Mm-mm. Like, cause I've never heard, like you were mentioning, like I never heard the jerk ward uh, thing at all. So I'm not, I still haven't heard that. Yeah. Hard, there's only yeah, 300 of them or something. The reissue. Yeah. So I'm curious to hear that. Cause you said you, you were sort of mentioning in a way, does it actually sound like siege? Cause you mentioned siege at one point. Yeah, it's like it's like obviously Siege is a lot more controlled, yeah, and stuff. But like, it is definitely like they were tr- like doing the like blurry, fast hardcore. It's like, and the vocals are insane, and it's 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 cool. It rages. So it's kind of like in the in the more like the void Siege sort of world than it would be. I don't know. 
something else that's more straight up or whatever. Yeah, because it's just like, you know, they're so young and it's just very uncontrolled, but in a an awesome way. Like he brings up Japanese hardcore and definitely that kind of like has that vague sort of out of control feel. Like obviously Japanese hardcore, you, you know, is like out of control until it comes right back into lockstep control with Burning Spirit stuff. But like this kind of has that feel to it too, like out of control vibes. Yeah, cool. I gotta hear it. I don't know uh, who put that out. Like, what uh, was it? A bootleg or what is? No, the... I think they self. I think they self released, reissued it type thing. Because it's saying here that's too I young to thrash. Fun. Yeah, it came out on something called Supreme Echo. I don't know whose that is. It's it's the third release on that label, though. It claims. I think it might be his label. No, yeah, it's from two thousand and nine. Um. They've released some interesting stuff. Mexican Power Authority, Dish Rags, Northern Haze. Oh yeah, it's the other dude from uh I think it's the other guy. I know that I know that guy. What's his name? The guy from Mexican Power Authority's label, I think. I'm not sure, yeah. But Do you uh, know there's two thousand copies pressed of that Mexican Power Authority LP? I'm not surprised to hear it because I tend to see it. Yeah. It seems often. I think that's an amazing apparently Ewan was the guy who told Steve Perry to press two thousand of them. Wow. That is a ambitious feat. <laughs> An ambitious, ambitious feat to move 2,000 units of that yeah. LP. I think that thing probably aged a lot better, though. i got to go back and listen to that record. Yeah, but this jerk board, yeah, it looks interesting. It's uh, It came out in, what, 2009? And yeah, and also Mexican Power Authority pre-jerk board. Or, I mean, sorry, jerk board pre-Mexican Power Authority. So it's – okay. I wasn't aware of that connection either. Also, there's an M blanket connection, too, which is my deep cut – love victoria like heart like kind of pop punk but like hardcore pop punk band from the early 90s do you know that band have i, I do forced that upon you yet you have not oh that was dave that was definitely a very popular one that i would p- pick out of the dollar bin and make people buy it full uh, sorry hits and misses <laughs> nice i don't uh i don't know that either i don't know most of the stuff that's been on this label but it's interesting they didn't do that much no there's only there's only 10 releases, which is kind of an ideal amount of releases in my opinion, but um, some of this stuff I'm not familiar with. But that jerk ward's interesting. I can't believe, especially the year that this came out, I, I'm surprised that I never was up on this. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that I think just kind of came and went so quick. Like, there's just so, like, 300, right? Yeah. The yeah. song titles on it are pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, millions of dead BMXers being one. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting angle. Well, that was a beef with skateboarders, right? Like, there's that Skate and Destroy, the line in that song, Skate and Destroy, it's like, the cops are coming after me, their sons are BMXers. Yeah, exactly. That is true. That does exist. And there's also a sort of a minor one related to, like, snowboarding as well. Yeah. In the, in a faction song? No, I don't know about it exactly. Oh. I just, in, like, culturally Oh, speaking. culturally, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And then Rollerblades, too. But maybe like oh, years from now, people yeah. look back on the 90s, they'll be like, yeah, when rollerbladers and skateboarders were all hanging out together. <laughs> Good Lord. Yeah. We've, we've gone off the deep end on that we've one. definitely gone off the deep end on this one. Uh, do you want to go next? Well, I don't remember who had this point. So what, I did. I was we... just rolling all over you. Okay. I'll go all next point. here. It's an easy one because the my favorite part of the interview probably, uh, although there's so much good stuff, but the his zine. Yeah. His zine. Like, first of all, I don't remember him saying what it was called, but I would love to read it or see it. Um, and do you have them? Or have you ever seen any of them? Nope. Nope. Uh, I've never seen it. I have one old zine. Uh, 
which uh, you brought up in the interview. I can't remember what it was called, but yeah, you mentioned one from that area. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I have one called Bad Attitude, and uh, and then I have. Well, I think that's my only Victoria zine, but his zine, I think, illustrates that he might have the best taste ever. It's crazy, man. When he said America's Heart, like he's running down the the like the issue, and I'm thinking, okay, this is pretty amazing. And then he's like, America's Hardcore on the cover, and I literally like was like, what the? This is insane. The amount he knew about that band too also blew my mind. Like he knew of the members in that band, which I thought was pretty incredible. Most people, I mean, I don't know nothing about the membership of that. Ben, certainly, but I know the name, not much else. Like, that's wild that he had it, like, that much knowledge of it. Yeah, like, well, I think that's the thing. Like, he was like a, a like, a, and I mean this in the affectionate way, a nerd, you know, but a nerd like me. <laughs> Agreed. But you're right, you're right in saying, I think that zine illustrates that you're correct on your idea of, like, that generation of folks being, like, the proto uh, archetype for the hardcore kid, as it were, going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. It was a hundred percent. This is like, they were the kids that were the message board, uh, record trade kids before there were message board record trading kids. Yeah. What was the, and I was trying the John Bannon thing he threw out or Brandon, pardon me. Yeah. What, uh, what was the, like, what was it? He, a flyer? It was a flyer. They sent John Brandon, like, cause he would do questions via questionnaire with these oh. people. So he'd send John Brandon basically a questionnaire, and then John Brandon wrote all his answers back on a flyer. Oh, and he threw that out. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. cool. That's yeah. a good one. I like. I, I like. He was spot on with for me. I don't know. I feel I have very similar tastes as him. He was. He was really big on the specific records. I mean, not that they're anything like unique to most people who like this kind of stuff. But I, I, I'm always interested when I see people, especially because I I only knew him from his later like musical stuff like i'm familiar with black mountain of course and jerk with a bomb and i never would have thought like yeah the people in that band are like majorly in, or one guy in that band's like majorly in a negative approach like it, that wouldn't have ever <laughs> i wouldn't have thought that to be not that it couldn't be but um so yeah i don't know i thought that a lot of stuff he was hitting on or mentioning was like sort of the cream of the crop for me so i was very happy to hear it i i think for me like this is my one tip talk punk to everyone you know and occasionally you'll be met with the same reaction that our friend Dave was met with by the member of Harem Scarum. <laughs> but once in a while, you'll come across a gem. <laughs> totally. I think, I think, uh, I don't know how much people had practiced that in the last 15 years up until now, but I will say that you have always been a purveyor of that. You've always been someone who's been specifically mentioning punk. I think maybe initially to try and get someone's records, assuming they were. Uh, oh awesome. yeah, that was, that was always a motive in the beginning. <laughs> and I think you've uh, unintentionally stumbled on an idea of like sort of uh, uh, whatever it is, like cultural anthropology or something in the process. Well, I just think it's interesting. There's like you know I've brought this up before is that there's just so many people that went on to like crazy weird ranges of stuff culturally that came out of this one little movement like maybe it'd be the same if i was a goth kid i could be like turn out a goth and interview all these goths that like went on to do stuff and it's like you were a goth it's like yep you know or like maybe like turn out a swing turn out a swinger might be work on two levels but turn out a <laughs> swinger like if i was like a swing fan you know like you know like ah this you would never guess that the guitar player from cherry pop and daddies is now like <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, but like for punk, it just seems to work. You're agreed. But I think it speaks to something that you've hit on with this whole thing as well, which is the idea of uh, punk is largely the foundation for all modern, I don't know, whatever, alternative music in one way or another. And you continually trace it back with these people, like sometimes accidentally. But I mean, this is a great one because people who, again, I'm, I'm it's probably a generalization, but I'm assuming most of the people that listen to stuff like Black Mountain uh, perhaps don't really like a lot of what he was hitting on in this interview uh, or wouldn't have expected it. Certainly. Yeah. Like, I think there, I think there might be a, like a large number that would like it, but just don't know that like, yeah, or that's exactly. Sorry. That I think that's a more appropriate way to say it, but yeah, it's just, so it's, you know, I realize you cannot just take things at face value that way. And I, I get all that, but it's just, it's funny to think that you're, st- you're still unearthing these individuals that just blow my mind with like, because this guy is, to me, is a deep head on all this stuff. Like, it's wild. That interview was really, really dense as far as the stuff he drops in it. No, he's awesome. He's amazing. He's a total yeah. deep head. I, unfortunately, though, Chris, have to run very soon. No problem. Should we hit on one more point? Yeah, do, do whatever you want to go do. I know there's one you really want to talk about, so hit it there's if you want. Definitely. I got to talk a little bit. Man, Mission of Christ nearly signing to Alchemy, something I would love to talk about because, my God, we can go through the Alchemy discography, but I think we can do that another time. Yeah. So I'm going to hit on the most interesting band in the history of this goddamn country, <laughs> Blasphemy. Yes. And I don't have any of their stuff. I'm familiar with them very much in passing, but I'm, I'm aware of the notoriety. But, uh, yeah, it's – so – when he's mentioning them, the question I had, though, so they're from Montreal, I thought, no? No, no, no. They're from Vancouver. Oh, they are from out there. Okay, so oh, that yeah. makes complete sense. Because when he's talking about that, I thought, this is weird. I thought they were always from Montreal or somewhere, maybe not Montreal, but somewhere near. No. Okay. They're from, like, uh, they're from Vancouver. And if you do not know this band, they are, without a doubt, the, the coolest black metal band in the history of black metal. Yeah, um, I don't know much about them other than the fact that I've just heard a lot of crazy rumors, um, <laughs> and they also have like the craziest names ever in a band. I don't know of any of their names. Is it like inappropriately said? Is what you're saying? Or? Well, there's Nocturnal Grave, Desecrator, and Black Winds. Oh boy, uh, Three Hearts of Damnation and Impurity, and the Color <laughs> of the Storms. And then traditional sodomizer of the goddess of perversity. And uh, <laughs> and then they was replaced at a certain point by black priests of the seven satanic rituals. Wow. I think we get the theme here. Yes. Yeah. A little bit more extravagant than the fake names of the groups you've been a part of, let's say. Ace Gestapo Necros Leger and Vaginal Commands is another band member's name. Jesus. <laughs> so... The uh, Yeah, but Blasphemy, so I thought it was, and again, that speaks to what I was gushing about earlier, like the fact that he haven't had anecdotes about this, this band, is wild to me, because I don't know, you know, you I've heard things from you, but I don't hear a lot about this band other than from like Legend, not so much, obviously the records I, I've seen, uh, and I think it is very interesting to note, he brought up something really great where he talks about it in contrast to the first wave of Norwegian black metal. And it being diametrically opposed, which is great. Well, they would have been happening like you, and you probably know you're more of a fan of this stuff than I am. But like, it was kind of happening at the exact same time, right? Yeah. Like well, I mean, 
They yeah, were starting that, in 84, too. Yeah, so all that stuff was happening, you know, like, well, at the same time, exactly what you said. But that first release is 90. I mean, a lot of that first wave Norwegian stuff kind of is like, I think maybe 89 is maybe the earliest, like Mayhem or something. But a lot of it is like, yeah, like 90 to 93 is like the real hotbed of, of a lot of that stuff. So they were right in the pocket of that. And to think that they were up on it enough to know of the international scene to kind of have that hardline stance they did, uh, which was an anti-fascist stance yeah. to to make it uh, clear, which, you know, again, in history tells interesting stories about some of these things, which could, obviously the Norwegian thing got very popular and, uh, to a lot of uh, historians or whatever. But uh, Blasphemy is one of those bands, though. Do, do you not feel like they kind of are lost to history a bit? Like I realize they're these still, records are history, but And they're still going. They're, they still play the odd time, apparently, right? Like once in a while. Like they play big yeah, metal fests and stuff. But they they were like no joke – like, like he, he talks about it. They were like militantly anti-fascist. Like they were standing up and saying, uh-uh, not here and fighting people like, <laughs> like not like all the, like crazy according to legend. And, uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, you're right. Like, I think it kind of, it's funny with black metal, how much of the narrative is dominated by Norway. And it's, yeah, but it's it obviously that book. And how popular it got. Yeah, and of course, like the infamous incident that sort of yeah. then led to the, what happened. But, it, you know, but the weird part about this is that it it's interesting that he spoke about this band and it made me think about it in comparative terms year-wise. And like, yeah, you don't, you don't think often about the other aspect of that whatever scene or however you want to say it. Like, and specifically that they would be considered like, they are a legit black metal band too. So it's not like it was like metal bands or death metal bands of the era. This is like a, you know, a fairly obscure Canadian black metal band that was, uh, well, excellent first of all, but also like, you know, represented something totally different that never gets acknowledged for the most part. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like even like, you know, the, the, the vibe the, you got to look at photos. If you haven't looked up photos of this band at this point, you have wasted a good, 15 minutes of your life because they are awesome. They are so amazing. And just the vibe is out of control. They like, you know, backed it up into here that they like, you know, to hear kind of like a firsthand account to kind of go with the legend is, it was awesome. Yeah, totally. But again, speaking to, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a great band. Great mention. Uh, I love that he had an anecdote. Hopefully you'll uncover more from people, but uh, I think you'd have to get more people like sort of metal related that might be able to give you some. Yeah, yeah. Or and or from I guess from that time period in that part of the world though would help too. But yeah. Well, if anyone's in touch with anyone from Blasphemy and can hook up an interview, that would be one. <laughs> we'll turn this show into turned out a metalhead for that show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but yeah, great mention. I don't have anything more to to say on that. No, I think that's it for me uh, as well. And I think that's it for all of us, right, Chris? Sure, man. If you want to get in touch with us, sorry for the short episode. Sorry for the distraction, folks. We, we had, I tried to fit one in this week because it's going to be a little nuts. And I think for you too, Chris, I would imagine. You know, yeah, we're both busy folks. So sorry, it was a little shorter than normal. But hey, you know, we still blabbed on for like an hour and a half, <laughs> over an hour and a half now. So if you want to get in touch with us, head over to uh, DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there for me, uh, for us. 
the show turned out a punk at large, Chris included, uh, I guess clobbering time included. Oh yeah. Check out clobbering time. If you're a fan of pro wrestling, Tom Bryan and I, uh, who's the editor at stereo gum talking, uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, BS about pro wrestling and then music. And we're going to have music guests on and former guests of this podcast will be joining us on that show too, hopefully. And you know, stuff like that. And, uh, also go to Twitter and you can follow me on, uh, at left Damien or on Instagram at left Damien on Snapchat at left Damien. Uh, I don't know why I'm making these plugs so fucking long, Chris. This is so <laughs> stupid. Uh, go over to vice.com and check out what I write on there too. If you want. For sure. And turn out a punk footnotes at gmail.com if you have anything related to what we were talking about and the stuff we like to, to see from folks. Yes. And go to Facebook and you can like the Turn Out a Punk Facebook page and we'll be posting a lot of the stuff we've been talking about from today's episode on there. Including hopefully a picture of Bathory. Bathory? Blasphemy? Yes. Blasphemy. Why did I say Bathory? <laughs> yes. Oh it's okay. Oh, well, you know what? That means I should be out of here. All right, Chris. <laughs> All right.
Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowds. Buy me some. With the crowd. Okay, fine. With the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if we ever get back, cause it's rude. Root, root for the Blue Jays. Hey, it's supposed to be home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. Cause it's a one. It's a two. It's a three strikes. You're out at the old ball game. Hello, everyone, and welcome to... Baseball Rocks. Wes, what is Baseball Rocks, Holden? Baseball Rocks is a podcast about baseball, like, and stuff going on in baseball, stuff about baseball, and all, like, stuff into baseball. Excellent. And I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, but your main host is... Holden Abraham. And Holden, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I'm a person who loves baseball, and I just had a surgery, and uh, I'm back playing baseball now, but it's still, I still like can't do belly flops and stuff like that. Yeah, so you can't do any head first slides into home right now. No, uh, but I'm like doing better, yeah, a lot better, I would say, yeah, a lot better, uh, and I... Uh, Okay, how are you doing? I'm good. I am the other host, Damien Abraham, and I am not as much of a baseball fan as Holden was. Holden's gotten me back into it. I used to love baseball until 1992, uh, which was when I kind of fell out. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) Fell out with it for a little bit. Sorry, technical difficulties. Uh, And now I've gotten back into it because of my kids both loving baseball. And also, we have here... The strong, silent personality of this show, Dorian, the super catcher, Superman, Pilar, Russell Martin, Josh Donaldson. Batista. Batista, but shrunk down into four-year-old form. Right, buddy? He nodded yeah. there. He, he nodded. He said hello. He said yeah. yes and hello. Uh, so anyway, we are your hosts, and I am here to kind of uh, learn about baseball as much as I am here to talk about baseball. Oh. Yeah, like Holden, you're going to be you're going to have a great perspective on this because not only are you a huge fan of baseball, like we watch baseball highlights every day. Yeah. But you're also a player. Yeah. So you spend a lot of time. Like, you know, you know the mechanics of what it takes to be a good player, right? Yeah. All right, so you're going to have a great perspective for this show. So on this show, as Holden mentioned, we're going to be talking about baseball news, baseball stuff. Baseball, what's happening in baseball. And we're going to have a lot of guests on. We're going to have guests from music. And then hopefully, Holden, we're going to have guests from... Um, baseball. Yeah, we're going to actually have, hopefully have some actual baseball players as guests at some point. That's the goal. But that as journey... Like, Sorry, go on. As like some like Josh Donaldson. Yeah, if Josh Donaldson's listening right now, we would love to have you as a guest on Baseball Rocks. We're also going to have people in bands come on and talk about their love of baseball and all other fun things like that. 
But we decided what better way than to start off our first show than Holden and I, and maybe Dorian, are going to go through our top five players of all time. Because right now, I think it's ESPN is putting together a top ten Major League Baseball players of all time list. I think they're doing like 20 or something people on that list, but they're asking people to come up with their top tens. But Holden and I, we decided to come up with our top fives. Probably because I couldn't think of more than five players. But I could. Holden definitely could. Holden definitely, definitely could. Okay, so I guess before we get into the main event of today's show, we should start off by talking about the baseball standings. Yeah. So, Holden, what are your favorite teams? The Blue Jays. Mm hmm. And in the other. The National League? Yeah. Uh. The Pirates. The Pittsburgh Pirates. Those are your two. Hey, we're in the same place as the Pirates. I just moved. I moved. I moved the cursor over to see the other league. Oh yeah. Oh, you mean like you mean in the yeah, yeah in our standings, we are both yeah. currently third. us being the Blue Jays in the third place, uh, along with the Pirates, Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, what are you trying to do, Dory? Point five. I think. You want to leave? Okay. See you later, bud. That. That. But how many? How much are they behind, though? Oh, they're 8.5 games behind, not 1.5 like Toronto. Yeah. So w- I guess we're going to start by saying, are you surprised at the standings right now, Holden? Did you think, you know, teams like Toronto would be doing better? Or did you think, like, teams like New York Yankees would be doing better? Uh, yeah, Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, Yankees have had a pretty rough season so far. And I would say Boston's somewhere below us. You thought they would be below us? Because last year they were like at the bottom, like the whole time, kind of. Yeah, it's almost like the Red Sox and the Yankees have traded positions this year. Yeah. Like these two very big teams that can't get it together yeah. right now. Okay, so, you know, go looking at the weeks ahead because you're a Blue Jay fan. Blue Jays are on the West Coast right now. They have a bit of a, you know, a, a, an, an interesting schedule in the next couple of days. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, they're playing the Padres, uh, the Mariners, the Orioles, and the Astros. Not in that order. I just screwed up that order completely. But So they're playing the Mariners. So what do you think about the Mariners? Seattle's Mariners. Who do you think? Do you think the Blue Jays are going to win that one or the Mariners? Blue Jays. Okay, well, we will find out next week on the show. And also next week on the show, we'll probably know... The results of them versus the San Diego Padres. Hey, and we forgot to tell us our top five. No, we're, we're going to do that. Don't worry, we're not there yet. We're, we're just going through the standings still. So, you know, the Padres, home of the World Series this year. Do you think the Blue Jays have it, or do you think the Padres are going to take some of those games? Uh, I think it's the Padres are going to uh, win the series, but we're going to win like one or two. Oh, yeah, we'll win one then, I guess, right? Yeah. They win that series? One or two. Okay, well, we will see next week on the show. And then also, then they're back kind of in the, on the East Coast with the Orioles. And then the Houston Astros. And the Houston Astros. And one of your old favorite players plays for them, right? Uh, Kobe Rasmus. Yep. And my other old favorite player still plays for the Blue Jays uh, is Edwin and... Before that, he got traded to for Donaldson, uh, he, uh, Brett Laurie, and now he's on the White Sox. Is he on the White Sox now? He's not on Oakland yep. anymore? Okay. 
All right. Well, yeah, we'll probably have to, we'll probably talk about those players in the interview. No, Edwin's on the Blue Jays. Holden was talking about Brett Lowry. Do you want to come over and talk baseball, buddy? Okay. Okay. Are you getting ready for the Paw Patrol podcast? Okay. All right. So now let's go through the top five major league players. Holden, should we take turns going one yeah. player for I one I go player? first. Okay, you will. Should we start from the bottom and work our way up? Yeah. Okay. So who's top five players of all time? I, John. No, no. This one? Are you starting this one? Uh, this one. So Noah Syndergaard. Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard. What do you like about Noah Syndergaard? He's Mets a, pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. Mm-hmm. And he has, like, long hair. Yep. He's got a cool vibe. Yeah. And he's really good. Do you think he's got to have what it takes to kind of, like, help take the Mets? You know, the Mets are still one of those teams, you know, that, that people want the Mets to do well. People really want to see the Mets win. I know. And do you think he's got what it takes? Because, like... You kind know, of, kind of. Right now, you know, with the Mets, it's it's kind of... it's They're in the middle of the pack, too. You know, they're having a bit of a hard season as well, so far. But you think he's got what it takes? Not to bring to the playoffs, but to win a lot of games. Yeah, he's just a great pitcher. Okay. Yeah. Not his fault that this team's not doing as well. Yeah. Okay, next on... Or, sorry, first on my list is... Bill Lee. Spaceman Bill Lee. I thought you were going... I'm mixing my list up all over the place. Okay. Because I realize I don't actually have my fifth player written down. I just have it in my head. But don't worry, I won't forget it. So, yeah, Spaceman Bill Lee. Uh, who's now running... Yeah, I'm gonna I mix... think he's running for president right now in America. Oh. And I'm going to mix mine around, too. Okay. And Josh Donaldson. I thought you were going to build up to Josh Donaldson because he's your number one. Okay, but tell us why you like Josh Donaldson. What is it about Josh because Donaldson? Because he's on the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. and he's, like, really good. I yep. love him so much that I got his haircut. Yes, you do have a very similar haircut. It seems like hair, like a baseball player's hair, is, is like, a big thing for you. Yeah. Is it because you don't see their hair because it's always under the hat, so then when you see it, you're like, oh, it's cool. No, no, not really. Is there a player, like, let's say you really liked a player, and then he took off his hat, and he was bald. Would you still like him? Yeah. Okay. Good, because Daddy didn't want you to. Daddy didn't want to think that you wouldn't like me if I played baseball. <laughs> okay. Uh, so is it my turn again? Yeah. Uh, for my next pick, I'm gonna go Jose Canseco, because he hit the roof of the dome one time when he hit a ball, a home run, hit the roof of the sky dome, Holden. Yeah. You still did that. Before. Okay, fine. It fine. was cool. It, it, Dad, you know, like the lines up there? Yeah. It went around the one and, like, bounced off, hit the bar, and then bounced there back to the top and then down. Whoa. Okay. Okay, well, Jose Canseco might be just as good as Jose Batista. Well, who's the next player on your list? Uh, Mike Trout. Mike Trout from the California Angels. Mike Trout, uh, what is it about Mike Trout that you like? Uh, that he won, uh, like, most valuable player of mm-hmm. the year mm-hmm. before. And he's, like, also pretty good. Yes, he is. Yeah. 
All right, so I guess for me, I'm gonna go back to Noah Syndergaard's team and I'm gonna pick Daryl Strawberry from the Mets. Daryl Strawberry. You know, much maligned. Yeah. But but uh, a pretty good player. And featured in the plot line of The Bad Lieutenant, a movie you're not gonna be allowed to see until you're much, much, much older. Okay, um, your turn. Joss Batista. Jose. Oh yeah. Why does it look like Joss? You think that Daddy's? You think that looks like an H? Daddy's E? Okay, Daddy's got messy handwriting. I admit that. Jose Batista. Why'd you like Jose Batista? Uh, because I, I, he's really good, and he won the first round of the playoffs. Last year for us, and I was at the game. And you did the flip, the bat flip, right? Yeah. That's probably the most famous thing to happen in the Blue Jays since Joe Carter hit the walk-off home run to win the World Series. I was like, but what about the time? What about the time when we uh, won the World Series two times in a row? That was the, that was the time I'm talking about. Joe Carter hit the home run. I know. The walk-off. Okay, so it's Daddy's turn? I don't know what happened to the pen. I dropped it. It's okay. Okay. Daddy's turn. Uh, for this one, I'm going to go with Doc Ellis. He pitched a perfect game. And then no hitter. Here's a perfect game, too. But, yeah. Good player. Had to put up with a lot of crap, too. Okay, now your turn, Holden. My last one is... What is it? Bryce. Harper. Bryce Harper. Oh, wow. That is one of Daddy's favorite players. What is it about Bryce Harper, the National League MVP last year? Uh, he's, like, also really good. Mm-hmm. Like Donaldson and Batista. Uh, he's really good. He, and, like, that he... And that he's your favorite player, too? Probably Daddy's favorite player. And uh, that he uh, he got to be the national league best uh, MVP last year. Mm-hmm. And like that's it. Anyway. What do you think about his hair? Because hair has been important for some of the other players on your list. Uh no. You know, no. He's got pretty cool hair. Yeah. Oh, I dig his hair. I guess the only question I have for you, now that you've finished your list, before I finish my list, is all these players are current players. There's no old players. Are you saying that baseball is better now than it's ever been? No. No? Just happen to like all the players this in the current era? Uh-huh. But a little better because uh, one time uh, we, uh, we, act, we tagged the guy and it... And if there was a replay things, uh, we would have got a triple play in the playoffs. Wow. Wow. So you're saying the replay has helped baseball as a game? Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think it slows down the game, but I think you're right. Like, now it's, it's just like we don't have to depend on human error. But it yeah. does make the biased umpiring about strikes and stuff matter. Or seem more glaring now, I guess. Uh, well, Daddy's last player on my list is Scott Radinsky, a pitcher. 
and most importantly, a punk rocker. I played it in two bands, well, lots of bands, but Scared Straight and Tentapole, and I think Pulley. He was playing three bands while he was still playing, you know, professional baseball or pursuing a professional baseball career. So that to me is pretty cool. That puts him in our Hall of Fame. So that is our top five list. If you want to send in your list, you can still use robot of all robots with an S at the end at gmail.com. And we will eventually have a new email address. But that's the current email address, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, is that it for today? Yeah. Yeah. This is a great first episode. You know? Um, should we end by singing a song too? Do we no. end with take? I think taking me out of the big ball game is the beginning of the end, no? Okay. Okay, one, two, two three. three. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the crowd with the crowds. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jacks. I don't care if we ever get back because it's root. Root, root for the Washington Nationals. If they don't win, it's a shame. Because it's a one. It's a two. It's a three-strikes-you're-out! Three at, at the old ball game! Da-da-da-da-da-da! Play ball!